Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Liz Joy Oakley with me. Liz is a holistic well being coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and a writer based in London. She specializes in yoga therapy for anxiety and stress. Liz is also head of wellness at More Yoga and co-founded the More Mind program there to promote positive mental health and tackle the taboo that still exists around it. Liz is a good friend of mine and a fellow anxiety sufferer, and I am delighted to have her here with me today. Liz, can you start us off by telling the listeners what brought you to this work? I can. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Um, so my uh, past life before I became a wellness coach and a yoga teacher is was in luxury fashion. And I was signed off work with malignant hypertension and generalized anxiety disorder when I was about 26. Uh, and I was signed off work for three months and suddenly realized I needed to make a massive change in my life so that I basically wouldn't have a stroke before I was 30. So it was quite a big wake up call. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I had I'd been kind of dabbling in yoga to learn how it could help reduce stress in the body um I kind of always had that feeling like I dealt with stress a little bit differently to how other people did it seemed to affect me so much more um I'd been a really anxious kid and teenager and actually when someone diagnosed that I had generalized anxiety disorder it kind of suddenly felt like everything made sense um and it made me realize that what I wanted to do was help people feel better so other people who were experiencing anxiety who maybe weren't managing stress as well as they could have been um, and I realized that I needed to start prioritizing my well-being and that perhaps working in a very stressful corporate job was not the right path for me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that kind of kicked off my journey into becoming a yoga teacher uh, getting very involved in meditation and mindfulness and while I was learning these skills I started applying them to myself and kind of seeing the first-hand impacts that these tools could have on my life and it totally transformed everything Um, and so I guess that's probably where my journey started I never thought it would get to here I never thought I'd get involved with more yoga or start working in wellness Um, and it's been an amazing you know an amazing few years and I've got to work with some incredible people and I'm just really really passionate about sharing this message that we can take control of our health and mental health should be destigmatized so true and for someone who knows you quite well to me it's quite baffling that you haven't always looked after yourself in this way because there's like (laughs) you know you promote it so much and I think what at one time you didn't do this you had to be told to do this oh god I (laughs) when I was working in fashion I was a chain smoker I used to I was like size zero I drank red wine for dinner and (laughs) that was like my my life (laughs) well I know you still like like the wine I do I do (laughs) like a glass of wine I'm all about balance (laughs) awesome well thanks so much for bringing some of your um past experiences into this because I feel like it makes it a lot more real Mm, thank you no I think um if you're going to talk about mental health you have to be willing to talk about your own as well yes I completely agree. (laughs) Well, today we're going to discuss anxiety 
and how this mm-hmm. can affect our relationships, both with ourselves and our partners. Now, this is an avenue that we both have experienced in personally and professionally. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what your thinking is on this topic? a really big misunderstanding from you know social media from how people understand anxiety and actually from it being quite desensitized by the word being used so often in our vocabulary that a lot of time people don't understand that actually anxiety can have a really profound impact on our bodies physiologically Um, and some of these symptoms can include uh, having a shortness of breath, muscle tension, sweating profusely, having tremors or twitching, muscle um, stomach upsets uh, or diarrhea, frequently urinating, having headaches, dizziness, um, having increased heart palpitations um, or heart rate and that can often lead to panic attacks so a much more kind of severe physical manifestation of what anxiety is. Um, And I think when we're talking about anxiety, it's important to understand that it's not just something that goes on in our minds. It's also something that we really feel in our bodies. And that can obviously impact the relationship we have with our bodies and also how we treat and see our bodies. I know for me, through my experience, uh, when I first started understanding a bit more anxiety, it was almost like a light bulb going on. And when I think about my kind of my my 20s and my teenagers before that, my body was like my enemy. I battled it like I starved my body. I was, you know, never ate properly. I was just always trying to be thinner and smaller. And when you think about anxiety and all of these physical effects that it actually has on us when we're experiencing anxiety, it's no wonder that our bodies often become the enemy and our relationship with our bodies can become quite toxic. And that, of course, has an impact on our relationship with our partners, which I know we'll come on to a little bit later, but it's almost like a domino effect, if that makes sense. And I think one of the things through teaching yoga um, and teaching yoga therapy for anxiety has really taught me is that the relationship we have with our bodies, whether we have anxiety, whether we're struggling with any other kind of mental health problem or whether we're not is how much of an impact it have on our lives because how we treat our bodies physically what we put into our bodies even what we read what we digest mentally what we digest physically has an impact on how our bodies function and this of course then impacts the mind and that can lead on to things like low self-esteem worrying uh, about what other people think about us. That's a big thing with anxiety, making assumptions about what other people think about you based on perhaps your body type or even how you're feeling in your body. And it can sometimes lead to things like body dysmorphia, where we might think that we look a certain way in the mirror and actually we don't at all. (laughs) So it can have a really big impact on how we see ourselves and how we treat ourselves. And often when we're struggling with anxiety, when we're uh, you know, worrying constantly about different things, when that inner critic is taking over mentally, it can make us treat our bodies much more poorly. And it can also lead to those really unhealthy habits, some of which I definitely <laughs> used to be relying on day to day, you know, chain smoking to numb sensations, uh, drinking heavily, also to maybe numb sensations and stop some of those ruminating thoughts and feelings. Um, and I think that's something that is really important for your listeners, for people to understand and recognize that, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety, it's not just something that goes on in the mind. It's something that really affects the body as well. 
I think that is so true on every level. Everything you said, I completely agree and resonate with both personally and for what I've seen Mm. through working with clients. And it's just making me think so much that it's, it's a vicious cycle, right? So Mm. I, I get anxious about something, which then makes for me, I get IBS. So then I get an upset Mm. stomach. Yeah. And then I have an upset stomach. So then I'm anxious. How can I go and do the thing when, you know, I'm on the toilet? So, and then I get more worried, just makes my belly hurt even more. And it just goes round and round and round. So I think it's all about finding ways for us all to regulate our nervous system, because Mm. this is something I've been working on a lot in the past couple of years that, so if we think about the vagus nerve and polyvagal Mm. theory and you know in yoga we're always talking about rest and digest function and everything Mm. like this and so back in the day um you know if we were running from the tiger we would get back to our friends and family (laughs) hopefully and we'd be like yay you know we got back I'm so happy we'll have a big dance (laughs) or a celebration we would hug and that would allow the nervous system to reset so the nervous system thinks oh I'm out of safety you know we're okay but now when we're all living with like chronic stresses and we're going from Mm -hmm. work deadline to running to catching the tube to an argument with a friend we might resolve the worry in the brain you know the the Mm -hmm. deadline's done we've apologized to the friend but the nervous system doesn't understand so I feel like in a way for us to overcome the anxiety we have to work with the body oh a hundred percent hundred percent. And it's so interesting when you start getting into, you know, all the neurological and physiological things, when you start to really geek out on anxiety, it's actually really, really fascinating. Never thought this would be a subject that would interest me, but now like I live and I breathe it. Uh, But it makes you realize, of course, a lot of us are living in these high stress in the sympathetic, which the name of the sympathetic nervous system, I think is very, very um, confusing. because it's not sympathetic. Yes. So when we're in the sympathetic nervous system, which you mentioned that flight, fright, and flick, fright, fight, flight, and freeze (laughs) response, um, is when we're in the, um, our action mode, our body is in this threat response where we're actually ready to run away from a tiger. Like you said, that is not a way that our body should be functioning in like 99% of the time, but with social media being constantly on with our phones, constantly alerting us with adverts, the news, all these things impact our nervous system and they make us live our lives predominantly in the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. What we need to do and what I really think we should be you know, trained to do as as kids now and in school is to actually learn how to soothe our nervous systems, to have those tools in place to move us, like transfer us, as you said, from that, that sympathetic nervous system into our relaxation mode, into the parasympathetic nervous system in that soothed mode where our bodies actually begin to function much better. Our bodies heal. We can actually live our lives in a healthy way. So it's so important. Um, and something when I was, uh, I've been researching and kind of learning a lot recently about how anxiety affects our libido and our sex life, um, which is obviously super relevant to <laughs> this podcast, to Sex Unshackled. Um, and one of the things that anxiety has a big effect on that I don't think people talk about nearly enough is the libido and the sex drive. 
And what we've already said already, kind of, it's easy to connect the dots. If you're constantly living in this stressed, high pressure state, if your body is tense and tight and in this nervous state, of course you're not going to be able to enjoy sex as much as you should be able to. Our bodies are not in the right place. And perhaps our minds are not in the right place as well to actually be present and to enjoy having sex with another partner. Mm-hmm. It's also really interesting to learn that the libido is affected by kind of the biology as well. So when we're experiencing higher levels of uh, stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline that are linked with high levels of stress and anxiety, our bodies <clears throat> suppress the um, sex hormone that increases mm-hmm. desire. So when we're experiencing those higher levels of the stress hormone, we can't also experience the hormones that we need to really enjoy our sex life. And when our bodies are really tense and tight and in that uh, sympathetic nervous system, it's really going to be difficult to reach an orgasm. Let's be honest. So it's kind of like dot to dot. Of course, it all makes sense. Um, And I think what what we all need to do is be a little bit more honest with these things. Um, I'm such a big advocate for, you know, destigmatizing mental health and speaking more openly about it. And I think it's amazing that that is starting to happen. People are beginning to open up a little bit more about their experiences. But I don't think anxiety is talked about widely enough for people to actually realize the impact it has on the body on our sex life um, on our minds and on our relationships um, because it really is something that we can improve and we can take control of there are so many tools and techniques that we can bring in to help manage these things yes you're so right and it's making me think now if we think about it practically in the body so how anxiety mm. can affect um, sex drive. So I don't know if you've heard those stories about when a mum's child is trapped underneath a car and she gets enough strength to like push up the car and release oh, yeah. the child. I don't know if you've heard about those, those things. But so if you think about it, when we're in this fight and flight, the blood in the body is trying to go mm. to where it needs it. So if you're running, you know, to the lungs or if you're fighting, I don't know, maybe it goes to the arms. And if we think about, I'm going to talk about erections now. If you are feeling anxiety, the blood is not going to go to the penis because of course. <laughs> that's not going to help you, right? Run away from the tiger or help your child underneath the car. It's going to go to where it thinks it needs to help. So mm. when we go into these sexual situations and we have not taken the time to regulate and to soothe mm-hmm. ourselves, you know, maybe maybe everything will go as planned. But even if it does we're going to be distracted. And distraction causes, as you said, lack of orgasm, because if we're thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, all the things that we haven't done, or all the worries and expectations, our mind is going away from the physical sensations. So it's kind of of twofold, we have the anxiety in the body, which is preventing the blood flow. And then we have the anxiety in the mind, which means we have the inability to focus. So I think by doing mindfulness exercises yoga even just walking but being present in the body allows us Mm. ways to practice tuning in so that when we are in these sexual situations and we're feeling like we're distracted we can think okay well where can i focus can i focus on any pleasure that's in the body and it's with that kind of refocusing that we could allow maybe eroticism or arousal or maybe even orgasm 
hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's something that you know isn't widely broadcast as being um, <laughs> as being a great element of mindfulness practice that you can help improve your sex life. But yes. It can. <laughs> when you think about it that way, though, because of course, if you've had a busy, stressful day or whatever has happened, and you're feeling anxious, your body is on edge, you're in this you know stressed state mentally and also physically. If you then try and you know relax into having sex with your partner or sex with whoever of course your body is going to be in this stress state and you won't be able to be to be present um, in that experience so I think as you said learning to regulate is such a great way of um, of helping that of, of easing those experiences and and of improving them um, I think something else that's really important to mention is obviously the relationship we have with communicating about our anxiety and that's one step when I'm working with clients um, who struggle with anxiety and are wanting to kind of change their relationship with it one of the first steps is to firstly begin to understand your relationship with anxiety what triggers you uh, where it stemmed from what physical experiences you have if any what happens to you in the mind so you begin to feel a little bit more in control of those experiences and then if you have a partner or even if it's a friend or whoever someone you're dating a family member start to try I know it's not easy to communicate those experiences but when I first met my partner he's like the least anxious person <laughs> in the entire world and has no understanding of what anxiety is and I, we, we've spent like numerous evenings days weekends just discussing it and I've actually sat down with him and said you know this is what a panic attack feels like this is what happens to me when I feel anxious this happens in my mind this happens in my body um, and through him actually understanding that he has he's so understanding now about what my triggers are how it affects me and through that you know really uncomfortable initial conversations <laughs> it's made our relationship so much stronger because I feel like I can now say to him feeling really anxious like I'm really really tense I need to relax um, and he might understand then that I might not be in a position where I want to have sex immediately if I'm in, if I'm in that place mentally and physically uh, and I think improving our relationship with our partners a lot of it is so stemmed in communication right and it's normally where so many relationships fall down because communication isn't there and I know it's not easy but I think communicating your experiences with anything to do with mental health with your partner is such a big step in improving your relationship and getting you to a place where you can talk more openly about you know your fantasies your sexual experiences what you want from your relationship maybe what's holding you back what's holding you back from stepping into the role that you might want to play um, or the relationship you might want to have because I know anxiety often holds us back from stepping into the roles that we want to take on that kind of inner critical voice can really hold us back and keep us really really small but through communicating it and actually often that can lead to getting reassurance from our partners or loved ones friends whoever it is we're sharing with and that can be you know transformative in itself yes I think what you just said is so important and the advice for our listeners is really great to speak to your partner about it because yeah. even so even if we were in a relationship with someone who experienced anxiety 
their anxiety mm. could be so different. You know, their body physiology um, could be different. The way they experience it in the mind could be different. So by communicating and sharing with this one with one each other with each other, it allows mm. us to have greater knowledge um, of just the internal process. And we call it mm. in couples therapy creating love maps. So a love map is just trying to learn as much as you can about your partner. And this is by staying up to date with current current things that are happening with them, as well as, you know, their history and their childhood. And this is another way that we can update our love maps in the relationship. So finding mm. out, you know, what anxiety really feels for them, if they're experiencing it in a certain way, what can we do to help? And yeah, I think this is really important when it comes to sex as well, because quite often it is communication issues, both sexually mm. and in relationship. And if we start to learn how to talk with our partner openly about things that make us feel vulnerable, then this could help with our sex maps, you know, talking about, mm. as you said, our fantasies and what we want to try. And that might seem like a big thing to do from the start. So this could be mm. a good way in. How can we get to know each other a little bit more now? Yeah, 100%. It's like small steps. It doesn't need to be, you know, a four hour discussion into the early hours of the morning. <laughs> Maybe it will be, who knows? Um, but it can just be baby steps. Um, and also having, like, you know, the steps can take you into the experiences of perhaps when, when you are experiencing some of those elements of anxiety to actually be able to say to your partner, you know, this is what's going on for me. I remember my, my partner seeing me have a panic attack for the first time. We were in central London and we had to literally get into a taxi and go home. And he was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. I've never physically, I've never seen that happen to anybody. And I think actually seeing it physically happen in front of his eyes was a big like oh okay wow this this is real this isn't just something you know going on in your mind it's not something small it's actually yes. something really big um and as you said I think even if some if even if you you and your partner have anxiety you might experience it in completely different ways and it's so good to open up those communication channels and that of course can lead to more trust which can lead to better intimacy as well um because often anxiety can can make us not trust ourselves in a way. Uh, it can make us not trust our bodies, especially when those physiological effects come in, right? It can have mm. that impact of, God, I don't know what's gonna happen. Am I gonna burst out into tears in public and need to get in a taxi home? Like, yes. <laughs> how does it work? Um, and through opening up about it and talking about triggers, especially that's, that's a, a word that I use a lot in my work, working out what your triggers are. Um, and, and trying to get to the bottom of them, you know, reflecting on yourself, being curious about yourself. And that can be a great way of improving your relationship with yourself as well. Um, I thought it might be good to share some of the tools that are available for people. If you are struggling with anxiety at the moment, if you're finding that it's affecting, you know, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your partner, some of the, the things I use to soothe the nervous system and to help create a little bit more balance in the autonomic nervous system um, is things like breath work. 
doing it once or twice a day, that's the, I, I think the most powerful and quickest way to kind of hack anxiety, if you will, five or 10 minutes of breath work. Um, my favorite tool is coherent breath work, which is reducing your breath per minute rate to five or six breaths per minute. So you just count to six on the inhale, Six on the exhale, breathing in and out of the nose, close the eyes, bring awareness into the body and just count that breath for about five minutes. And that takes us down to a really slow breath count that soothes the nervous system, signals to the brain that we're safe to move into the parasympathetic nervous system. We can relax, we can digest, we can rest. <clears throat> Practice that for five, 10 minutes, start, finish of the day. I've been telling people actually to do that to break up the working day as well. So that could be a nice thing to try during lockdown when it comes to, you know, six o'clock, whatever it is, when you shut your computer off, put your to-do list to one side, sit for a minute and actually have that like bookend of the day. And then you can go into your personal time or your relaxation time and your body is a little bit more relaxed. Yes, that's exactly what I suggest to my clients as well after work, because yeah. I think that's such a beautiful transition into, wow, mm. I can chill, I can have some fun now. Yeah, exactly. When we're not, you know, sometimes if you're working not from home, which many of us normally do, mm -hmm. you don't have that differentiation of your environment. So actually taking that into your own hands can be great. And breath work is so powerful for strengthening the autonomic nervous system too. So, you know, it's win-win. Yes. <laughs> you relax and you strengthen your nervous system. Um, and of course, you know, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, journaling, as I said, identifying your triggers, spending a little bit of time with yourself reflecting can be great. Um, anything movement-based is also brilliant just to you know, bring a little bit of change and shift up the energy in the body. Uh, I've been putting my favorite song on when I come to like the end of my working day, putting my favorite song on, just shaking and dancing around the room. And I, for me, I find that that is great and actually helps me to like, you know, brush off any insecurities or any of those anxious thoughts. So just shifting up, taking, taking our health and our well-being into our own hands. I think often anxiety makes us feel helpless. And what I really want to like drive home to people is that you don't need to feel helpless. There's so much you can do and there's so many people in the same boat. Like so many of us experience anxiety on a day-to-day -day basis now. And there's so much that we can do to kind of take our well-being into our own hands and feel better in ourselves. Yes, I love that. Love that. Reach. <laughs> yes, go girl. <laughs> Don't think I've said that since I was about 10. Maybe I won't say it <laughs> for another 10 years. That will slip. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, love, it has been so great to have you on the show today. Such um, a pleasure. So where, lovely to chat. <laughs> yes. Where can the listeners find you? So you can find me predominantly on Instagram at Liz Joy Oakley. Um, I share lots of, you know, short practices, meditations, breath work, mindfulness tools. And then my website is elizabethjoywellbeing.com. Um, and yeah, I'd love to connect. I'd love to uh, stay connected to anyone who's listening as well. I think it's so important to have community around us, especially in this field.
Yes, definitely. Well, Liz will definitely be back, but for now, I will say <laughs> bye. <laughs> thank you so much, my love, and thank you for listening.